Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, we're back with the Garlic Marketing Show. I've got Ron Barry from Miller Creek Marketing, soon to be something else. <laughs> uh, uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. I'm super excited because he's going to talk about how he grew his agency using HubSpot um, and inbound marketing. And he's a diamond partner with HubSpot, so which means it does a lot of HubSpot implementation, a lot of funnel implementation, you know, inbound lead nurturing. We're going to talk about that. And then in the end, we're also talk about a tactic of actually using post sale to grow your business, which I think is absolutely, absolutely crucial. Raul, thanks a lot for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Yeah, thanks Ian for having me today. Uh, so Raul, tell us a little bit about Miller Creek, Miller Creek Marketing and then let's get into how you grew it using HubSpot. Yeah, definitely. So I started Miller Creek Marketing in December of 2020. Uh, it's named after the same location that I live in in Missoula, Montana. If you go to our website, you'll notice I'm a big fly fisher and love the area out here. Um, but I started it in December 2020 after a couple months of freelancing on Upwork. Uh, I'm a HubSpot admin and nothing really more than that. I implement HubSpot CRM for businesses. Uh, I go into existing HubSpot CRM portals and reconfigure and run an audit on their system, give them best practices, what I see across our other 175 plus clients and really just focus on identifying the process of using a CRM and where to optimize it. So with that comes obviously data management, reporting, automations, and you, you name it across sales, marketing, customer service teams, et cetera. Nice, and I, you know, automation is great, and I think a lot of people like the idea of it, and, and but there's a lot of difficulty in doing it right, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but so tell me how you used all this to grow your business and, and to become a diamond partner so fast? Yeah, definitely. So when I first started freelancing, I wanna say it was July of 2020, I just did my own thing on Upwork. I had a couple clients at a time, but very quickly I was managing more than 10, uh, probably within two months. And once you start managing more clients and you have a lot more inbound requests to work and do kind of high intent work, you can get lost in the whole mess of things uh, and organizing your customer relationships and even your client relationships or any prospects that come alongside. So. At that point, I was like, all right, I'm, I need to start practicing what I preach. I implement HubSpot for businesses. I need to get HubSpot for myself. And I started off with the starter version, pretty simple, cheap, and easy to get set up. Uh, built it out, had access to housing my contacts, housing my customers, housing communications with them, and just threw it all together in one quick and easy system. Didn't put too much time and effort into it since this is obviously what I'm doing for others. And very quickly, I noticed the need for some automations within there. So we instantly scaled to one of the professional suites and started automating some of my pipeline, some outreach, some processes, uh, asking for reviews, post, uh, post close, I guess you could say. And I slowly built from the starter suite to one professional to two professional, and now I'm really practicing what I preach. I have the full growth uh, professional suite with HubSpot. And what it's enabled me to do is move away from being just a freelancer that does this for businesses and move more towards an agency where I have a process, where I have actual operations that can define myself and separate myself from a one-man shop. Nice. So um, tell me, uh, like, when you were, def def 
like deciding what to automate. Well, let's let's talk first of all. You you were you've got leads, right? That's what you had to start to automate lead to close. What what did you decide for to, what to automate first? Yeah, I think a lot of it came down to assessing where I was collecting information, where I was missing information that was important to me. Uh, and from best of what I can recall, I know I automated a lot in my pipeline, uh, kind of from the first hand. So sending out mm -hmm. contracts, the dates that I sent out contracts, the dates that my contracts went live, the end dates, because I work a lot on like a fixed monthly or week to week basis, uh, really just building in a lot of the automations there and reminders for myself. I forget a lot of things. I have a huge notebook. You can't, or a whiteboard right behind me. You can't see it. And I operate off of six notebooks just like this. So I'm all about keeping track of what's going on in my day to day. I have seven emails I work out of and I can get lost in things that happen like on the day to day that just kind of go by the wayside. So keeping track and automating reminders for myself, tasks that I have to do, logging contract end dates so I know what's coming up that I need to wrap up on a certain date. Those were the first automations that I put in place. Uh, was really just around like, hey, don't forget this, it's really important. Uh, and if not, you're gonna lose money. And instantly I saw the ROI there just because it relieved myself off of probably five to 10 hours a week of stress, which when you're working a full-time job and freelancing at the same time, it's it's a lot. So it, it really yeah. saved me a lot of time and effort and brain power to say the least there. Nice. And what was your process for automating things. I mean, not, not, you know, as uh, we're not going to go into step by step, but at a high level, how did you figure out how to automate these things and what you like, because you had to obviously prioritize too. Yeah. So, and, and make sure they work and test it out. So tell me about that process. Yeah. Uh, something I still do with all my clients is the first time I get on the phone with them and all we do is HubSpot implementations and configurations. So we're coming in blind to a business and saying, tell me everything about your business and we're gonna try and pick it apart. And I, I did that at that point, probably for 10 or 25 clients. Uh, and I had to take a hard look at myself and say, all right, I need, in order to scale and grow this so I don't overwhelm myself for the next 10 years in work, I need to do the same process for myself. So I sat down, kind of looked in the mirror and said, what am I doing on a day to day? Where am I spending too much time that I don't wanna spend my time where I could rather be serving clients, making money, meeting new clients, scaling my team. And I had to take a deep dive and look into what that was. Uh, and really that was me walking through my process and saying, all right, how, do, how am I acquiring customers? All right, what happens when I acquire a prospect that comes in, what do I do next? And what are the important things to measure and report on so I know my pipeline is healthy, I know I'm servicing my customers to the best ability, and I'm giving myself enough time to focus on my own company inwards in my own operations and processes. Nice. And you talk about metrics. This is great because I think everyone wants to look at metrics, but there's so many metrics out there. Yeah. So many metrics out there. And, and you, if you look at all of them, you do nothing, right? It just yep. becomes noise. What metrics did you d decide on first to, to make sure like your, your pipeline's healthy and you're servicing the customers well? Because that's a, that's a big dichotomy there. Yeah, definitely. I have a couple uh, key ones that I look at. Obviously, I look at total contract value. The way that I operate and the way that I sell is I have fixed implementations, fixed configurations, and then I have retainer clients. And to me, my retainer clients should always come first because these are my customers that I've implemented that need continual HubSpot support and administrative function on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. So servicing my retainer clients is my top priority. 
Um, mm -hmm. At the beginning, and even still, I don't use the functions within HubSpot for customer service as much because I am still such a small shop. I work exclusively out of email. And I have my own internal process. Like every day I look at my email and I clear it out from action items. And if I have action items, I write them on the whiteboard. And it may seem clunky and not automated as fully, but it's a system that works for myself. Now that we're growing and scaling, I have to pull that into HubSpot. So actually that's a more recent process that I just went over a couple weeks ago with my director of revenue operations is how can we systematize this process that is so manual and writing notes to being something that is more of a process within HubSpot. So we started to map that out a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, when I first got going with this, it was where can I dive into, what can I set up? Like I said, contract dates was a huge one. The overall amount of the fixed contract, I ended up separating out another pipeline within HubSpot. So I focused on my net new clients and then my retainer clients. So I know how much revenue I'm generating on a monthly basis or in my pipeline for new clients that are coming in, my retainer clients, what's my hourly dedication to those retainer clients and what I have available. Having that all visible and reported, or sorry, available within the pipeline allows it to be reported on in our dashboards so I can see what's my total weekly or monthly hourly commit and how much space do I have for net new clients to onboard this this month, next month, etc. That's amazing. Because I think that's a I, I very few companies do that. Especially service companies, right? They're not they're just accepting and not forecasting what their commitments, are they? No, yeah, and I've, I've found that as well. And at one point I was the same way. I mean, I was pulling 100 hour weeks for a couple months at, at there, and I realized, all right, I can't take on 10 net new clients every month even though the price tag looks pretty good. And I actually doubled my rates at one point. So I was, I was running at, I'll just be very transparent here because that's kind of how I operate is, I was running at $50 an hour when I first started and just to kind of scale, get clients. And right off the bat, I overwhelmed myself with work, was pulling 100 hour weeks. And then I realized, you know what? If I double my rates, there are other people out there that are doing the same work that are charging six times as much as I am. And if I double my rates, if I lose half my clients, I still make the same amount of money. And that was a really hard decision and analysis that I did through using reporting in HubSpot personally, that I said, if I double my rates, I think I can keep half my clients. What ended up happening was I doubled my rates and I kept 80% of my clients. And that next month was my best month on record. And yes, I lost 20% of my clients that I had worked with on retainer basis, on kind of an ongoing basis, but I alleviated probably 30% of the workload because I had people cut back hours that still wanted to stay with me, but cut back the commit. So making that decision was very difficult and explaining to 25, 30 active clients, hey, your rates are gonna double next month is something I didn't expect to go over so well. <laughs> yeah no but it's it, they probably thought you were too cheap to begin with yes yeah. so you're i mean you're bringing them a ton of value uh, i love that you, you you used metrics to double your rates because i think some people just go i'm going to raise my rates and don't look at it from a metric standpoint yeah um and what how how long did that period take that you realized you were at 80 percent of your client retained how fast did that happen yeah so i believe that was I want to say that was August of 2020, uh, August, September of 2020, I made the executive decision. I gave them four weeks notice. Hey, this upcoming month, the next billable is going to be doubled. If you want to stay on, we're going to push a new contract and sign a new contract. If you don't, just let me know and we'll close up shop here. So that for the 20% of clients that closed me out, they were overloaded me with work in the last four weeks. And I expected that to happen. And I held back on any net new client acquisition. Um, but it went over pretty smoothly. I didn't have anyone that really 
took it out on me, I would say. Uh, they were more impressed and happy that I was going and succeeding and hiring on new employees at the same time. And it ended up being a really good experience. And so how much, you know, since you started, how much has your agency grown? Yeah, so I first started this agency, obviously just myself. December 3rd, 2020 was just myself. We are up to four additional full-time employees at the moment, uh, have three interns coming on and we're hiring another full-time role at the moment. So within, what has it been, 16 months, uh, we've grown from just myself as a solo shop, as a really a free ag freelancing agency, uh, to now a fully functional HubSpot Diamond Partner Agency with probably eight total employees. Well, that's amazing. That is amazing. Now, a lot of people are thinking, you know, when they look at HubSpot they I, I, and any of these things, they're just thinking inbound marketing, right? How can I get churn as many leads as possible, get as many leads as possible? Is, was, is that part of your strategy? Or do you feel like that should not be immediately part of the strategy when implementing something like this? So that is a very small portion of the strategy. Uh, I mainly focus on the operations side of HubSpot. So what does the day-to-day -day look like for both a sales rep or a sales manager, a marketing manager, marketing rep, any interns that are in there as well, anyone on the customer service side, if they have anything that happens post-sale, what does their day-to-day -day look like and how can we set the system up to best be customized to their day-to-day, -day, each of those individuals? How can we set it up to be ease of use and simplified through basic automations and that's really where my key focus is on, on the implementation side. Obviously with clients that I have on retainer, then we focus on, all right, now you guys have your system set up and configured to actually perform basic functions of marketing, sales, service. Where can we take it a step further? And that step further is more of the inbound automations and inbound marketing uh, that we focus on, on the marketing side, but we also have that same flow and process on the sales side. Uh, for example, I've been working with one uh, Fortune 500 client for since February of 2021. And we've strictly been doing sales. They did a full Salesforce to HubSpot migration, and we have we have not even touched marketing yet. We are just starting to touch marketing now. So a lot of that focuses on sales optimization, sales efficiencies. That they had certain processes in Salesforce, and now we need to bring those over into HubSpot and make it easier to instead of having thirty windows open at a time, have two or three windows open at a time, and very simplified views of how they interact with the customer on the phone when they're calling them every single day. Love it. Uh, and I think that it's crucial for a salesperson, right? Adoption is is crucial when you have a bunch of software, they're not going to use any of it. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's fan and that's fantastic. So um, this has been great. You know, if you were thinking, if you're giving advice to another digital marketing agency um, and looking at HubSpot, or what would you suggest, where would you suggest they start? Yeah, if you are looking into HubSpot or just, kind of getting your first HubSpot system set up, I really focus on taking a deep dive into your internal processes first and mapping that out. Like I said, every new client call that I have, I really focus on kicking off their entire team and focusing on their operations right from the get-go. And what that looks like is I sit down on a one-hour discovery call with everyone from across all of their teams, and I start on, how do people find you? How do prospects out there find your company? What do you sell? How do you provide value to get them in the door? Okay, that starts the sales process. Walk me through your entire sales flow. What do you need to go through? Do you need to qualify them? Do you have a demo meeting? Do you have a call? Or is it all self-service? Once you walk through the sales process, what happens post-sale? 
Do you have offboarding? Do you have implementation uh, processes? Do you have shipping and delivery for some businesses? And every business is different, but they all follow the same flow. Every business needs to have some form of marketing, even if it's word of mouth. Every business has to have some sort of sale process, even if it's self-service. And then every business has to have something that happens post-sale that they need to keep track of. And that naturally fits in, obviously, with the HubSpot CRM suite of sales, marketing, and service. Uh, and so we sit down and we map out what their current flow looks like across any system or tool that they have, whether it's product management, a marketing automation tool, any sales tools that they use, such as sequencing, uh, and map all of that out right from the start. And that's where I recommend everyone starts from, whether they're going with HubSpot or another tool. Because once you have all of that written down on paper, that's your business. And that is what makes you unique and different than anyone else out there because that is your operations. And I think the operations piece gets glanced over a lot and everyone just wants to dive into the sales and everyone just wants to dive into the marketing. But if you laid that whole picture out of your business, you can start to pick it apart and say, this is really inefficient and that's what I wanna focus on improving. And the way that we scope out all of our implementations or contracts is we walk through the sales side first anything that happens post sale after and then we kick it back to the marketing because now we know how you how you make money and how you service your customers now we can better market towards them nice nice that's awesome so Ronald, tell me first of all like high level concept of what you're talking about here why is this important yeah so i mentioned that we like to walk through the flow from the sales side first and then we go into the service and kind of what happens post sale and this is most important because Millions of companies out there spend so much on marketing efforts. If you're not spending anything or if you're not focusing on your internal process for remarketing and re-engaging your current customers, you're missing out on a huge bucket of potential referrals, potential reviews that could serve as other marketing, other forms of marketing content, and anything else that happens kind of that, with that post-sale word of mouth. Uh, that's a huge area of revenue for myself personally. I have a lot of people that I work with on a very personalized basis that Either they go to another company or they have contacts at another company that just say, hey, these guys are great to work with. I'm going to push a referral your way. And a lot of companies miss out on that. And to me, word of mouth is the best form of marketing because it's free. And mm -hmm. if you can identify a process for engaging with and potentially asking your customers for referrals, for reviews, for anything out there that happens post-sale that is specific to your business, you can open up a whole new market of opportunity for you. And that's really where I focus on, at least operationally, within HubSpot on how to optimize, how to automate a little bit further and just create a structure for teams that may not have that. And I find a lot of times, a lot of companies don't have that built up. They don't have that process. And instead they dump more money into marketing. Whereas if they spent a couple weeks, a couple months focused on this process, they could save mm -hmm. themselves a lot of money and, and time in the long run. I, oh, I agree. I agree. I think too, like I was just talking about it. Because we do, you know, when we do case stories, we go through your customer stories, and I think people spend so little time on their current customers as you know, as business development instead of just operations that they lose out and they feel like I was saying fields of diamonds just in their backyard. Yeah. Um, and so, what is your process for doing that for maximizing that value? Yeah, so the first step, and this is this may seem disconnected, but it, it'll all circle back here soon, is I, I actually go through what do you do once you close the deal on the sales side, whether you're B2B or B2C, what do you do after that? Is there an onboarding period that you have to go through with the client to get them up and running on a software or in a location if you are like a WeWork type situation? 
Uh, what do you actually go through and map through that? Because at that point, if that if you're onboarding your implementation timeline is a week, a month, three months to actually get them up and running on your tool, you don't want to remarket or try and re-engage them to push them for, to refer you business or to recommend you or to give you reviews because they don't know what you're providing yet. They don't know the service that you're providing. So for me personally, like I said, I do fixed contracts for the most part that have a set close date. I, they have a set contract end date and I build my follow-up sequence for referrals for reviews off of that. So a week after I close a contract, I go ahead and ask them for a review if I know that they were a good fit. And that's something that I input personally because I work so hand-in-hand -hand with clients. But if you sell a product or if you sell a software and you are gung-ho and you believe in your product, which you should if you're a business in my opinion, then you should be automating your review process and say, hey, come give me a review on my website, on this page, on Google, on Yelp, whatever type of business you are and wherever you have that additional value source where your customers are going to and where you know they're going to and automate that process. Or instead of automating it, automate the process to assign it to yourself to make it more personalized. Uh, and HubSpot obviously has all these tools that you can do to set this up within your system. Um, but I like to do it after that post-sale process. And in order to have that post-sale process, you need to have those automations built out to connect your sales flow to your service flow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think this is absolutely crucial. So what, you know, because if you don't have some sort of automation, you're not connecting with your clients. And if you're not, even, I think people are afraid to ask for reviews for some reason, but it's a great feedback source, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And again, just with the type of business that I'm in, I have, I meet with my clients virtually. We're fully remote. So every day I'm on Zoom, I'm on video mm -hmm. chat, just like this. And if I talk with someone over the course of the period and I get the sense that yeah, they're gonna sign a retainer with me. They like working with me, they like working with us, they like how our process is, they will give me a review. And that review, I've been asked multiple times, do you have other clients that have reviews on you? And I'm like, oh yeah, here, here's my link. And, and that is an additional close or a closing factor in getting new customers. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't ask for reviews for customers, for clients that you know are going to have a good experience or that you are confident that we'll have that kind of experience with your product or with your service. Nice. And so after that review part, what else, what else are you installing to maximize that lifetime customer value? Yeah. Uh, for my business, I actually don't do any kind of recycling or re-nurturing because I'm still working with them every single day. But for other businesses, there can be quarterly re-engagements. If you are a kind of, if you sell a product that is a one-off, uh, you can build automations to kind of re-engage past customers that have been inactive for X amount of days. Uh, there's kind of a wide range of automations that I've seen built out across the clients that I've worked with, and it really is just dependent on what, what they sell, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, if it's a subscription. Focusing on your re-engagement points is the most important part. Automating marketing email outreach, automating sales outreach. Customer, if you have a customer success manager, that's really important as well to, in, if you're a SaaS company, to keep them along the journey and re-engage with your business rather than just engage with your product. That's really important. Yes, yeah, it, it, that's amazing. And it's so, so important. You know, I, I always quote, you know, Joey Coleman's been on the show a few times and that, you know, a 5% increase in customer satisfaction leads to 25 to 100% increase in profits. I mean, it's such a simple thing and people go and spend, like, oh, I'll spend $100,000 a month on ads and then <laughs> I haven't looked at how I'm nurturing my current customers. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense, does it? No, uh, not at all. That's one of my biggest kind of annoyances as well. When I see all this money being funneled into marketing 
and your sales is a strong sales team, but then you have nothing that happens post-sale and there's no process around it. It's like, it's not even the money, it's the time. And they're not, clients aren't ready to spend the time on mapping out the process for what happens post-sale, what happens with your current customers that all they just rather spend funnel the money towards marketing and and there's a there's a gap there that should be addressed and that needs to be addressed i i, I wouldn't even call it I, i'd call it a chasm because it really <laughs> should be the it should be the flip side because if, if you really and you can automate that service so much through someone like yourself can't you yes exactly yeah and it if you have the right tools and you have the right people driving the conversation the time factor isn't even that much of a factor because it doesn't mm -hmm. take long to get this set up if you have the right tools, if you have the right game plan, and you have the right people in the right seats. It's identify your process that you want to build out, build it out, and then train the team on how to use it and automate it as much as possible. And that, on my end, at least from what I've seen, can be done within four to six weeks. Nice, nice. That's awesome. And so this is fantastic and, and such a great story. It's great to see you growing so well with HubSpot. Um, and you know, just growing your business, uh, and love it. Awesome. Well, Ronald, this has been fantastic. If someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, we can send them to the website. We'll put the links in the, in the show notes, Miller Creek marketing. But if someone wants to follow you, where's, where do you spend most of your time on social media? If you spend any? Yeah, I definitely use LinkedIn. That's kind of my main social media platform. Uh, you can find me Ronald Barry, the third, uh, three eyes on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also obviously find me on my website, my website page on LinkedIn as well. Uh, feel free to reach out. Nice, nice. And uh, well, this is awesome. Make sure to reach out and follow Ronald. And uh, thank you, Ronald, for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for inviting me. And thank you all for taking Ronald and I on your journey. This is Benign Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video, you know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.